You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So whether the market is doing gangbusters or looking more like a dumpster fire, a good, well-rounded stock portfolio is necessary for any investor. Robinhood is a platform that aims to democratize finance for everybody. Robinhood believes everyone should have access to financial markets, so what they did was they built their system from the ground up to make investing friendly, approachable, and understandable for newcomers and experts alike. What I love about Robinhood is that you don't need an account minimum to start. There are zero fees for trading, and you can even purchase cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. Join today by tapping the link in the show notes to get a free stock. It's just like that. I mean, it's just free, just for signing up. And this free stock can be anything from Sirius XM to Apple or any of the other thousands of other publicly traded companies, just like that. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. So go get your free stock today by checking out that Robinhood link in the show notes today. Real fast, let me go ahead and tell you about Inbox Dollars. Are you looking for a side hustle so easy you could do it while sitting on the toilet or in between commercials watching your favorite show? Unless you're like on demand and commercials are like an ancient thing to you. Hear me out. Inbox Dollars has your back. For 20 years, Inbox Dollars has paid over $59 million in cash rewards to its members for doing everyday online activities such as reading emails, taking online surveys, playing games, and watching videos and TV. They also have ongoing promos and contests for members to win money online. And they share the top ways for people to get beauty samples, free printable coupons, and other free online stuff. With so many easy ways to earn extra cash online and having fun in the process, it's no wonder Forbes, Mashable, Bustle, and so many other trusted outlets name Inbox Dollars the easiest and fastest way to earn money online. If you're looking for a way to influence future products and services while getting paid at the same time, then Inbox Dollars is for you. Click the special link in the show notes of this episode today and get $5 just for signing up. Get this $5 signing bonus just for creating an account. That's Inbox Dollars. The link is in the show notes of today's episode. Get it, get your $5, and get started. yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On the Run with your host as always, me, myself, and I, Remzo W. Martinez. I want to tell you the story. The story of a boy. I forgot the rest of the lyrics. It was going to be fun, but long story short, I'm going to tell you the story of a man who moved from Wisconsin to Arizona, got got his life finally moving, but thought that he wanted more. So he recently went out into the Mojave Desert, whatever that is, and lived with a pack of mountain lions. Things were fine. He was, he was finally seen as one of them after about a year and a half. But after some hashtag MeToo allegations, he realized that maybe staying in the pack wasn't a good idea sooner. And living as a half man, half mountain lion cub was not what he thought would be a uh, you know, retirement goal going forward. So he went to an ashram in Nepal learn to find inner peace, but realize that life is nothing if he can't get a good Wi-Fi connection. So now he's back, getting back in touch with civilization. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tim Preuss. Tim, uh, after your years of being away, and by years, I mean a couple months, have uh-huh. you decided to live your life as your true self, as a woman, or will you be pursuing other alternative lifestyles? Uh, other alternative lifestyles. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was that about me having a Me Too allegation against you? Know, I don't, I never I don't, heard about I don't, that. I don't jump into what goes on in the mountain lion community or how I you I think you have to be rich and famous lion. to get an allegation like that. I, 
it's it's a strange, strange world. And what happens in the zoo stays in the zoo. Tim, it's been a long oh time. Oh my god. It's been a now long you're accusing time. me of bestiality as well. What is I'm going not on accusing here? you of anything. These things just happen to circulate where they do. But how is life? You're coming back on the air very soon. So you wanted to go ahead and show people that you are still alive. And folks, I do not have my eyes on Tim, but hopefully I'm good enough to remember that this is his voice and that he is, in fact, living and breathing. I'm alive. I'm well. I'm uh, not dead, not for sale. Life is good. Um, like you said, I it did take me a while just to kind of get settled and get everything figured out and a few different hiccups and jumps and turns and bobs and weaves were, were thrown in there. But uh, it's like, all right, now I can kind of relax, get everything situated and um, I feel like I missed quite a bit, um, you know, because I used to talk about news and politics for two hours a day, five days a week. And uh, then I stopped and came back and stopped and came back and blah, blah, blah. And um, I, I thought, well, do I want to jump into this whole coronavirus business right now? This was in, you know, March or April when I was That's thinking like about eons doing ago. This. Yeah. And I thought, ah, no, because there's always new stuff coming out about it. So I don't want to make a statement and then I have to take it back. So I decided to hold off until the coronavirus thing was over. <laughs> and I waited. And then I waited. And I'm like, okay, this shit ain't going away. God damn. Uh, so here I am. And I just like, I got to bite the bullet and uh, I got to talk about Black Lives Matter again. Uh, we have to talk about Joe Biden some more and uh, Nancy Pelosi's ping pong eyeballs. So um, it's time to get back down to business, and uh, I hope people are excited to hear the show. Is it? It is restarting, like you stated, July twenty seventh. So that's uh, let's see, two weeks from when we're recording this. Oh wow! So I guess I guess this means we have to go down the the COVID riot fest checklist. I guess. Um, yeah. Did you watch Tiger? Did you watch Tiger King? I watched it while drunk and falling asleep. So that's the I only way it, to watch it. That I watched it, but I don't really remember much about it. You do know that there was a, a a homosexual cowboy who owned a tiger zoo and sold meth and guns and tiger cubs to people, and he has a he has that for this bitch named Carol Baskin. You know that much, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay, I, I, that, that's I know good. the premise of of the series. It's uh that's that's all you really need to know. The tiger phase of king of th the tiger king phase of things has essentially died out. But we are getting uh Nicholas Cage who will be doing a scripted series as Joe Exotic. So that'll be coming up whenever that happens. Um, Is that his name, Joe Exotic? Joe Exotic. Wow, sounds like he makes porn. He would probably have done better if he did make porn. With that mullet and that that mustache, hell yeah, a lot of gay porn. I mean, you know, throw the tigers in there. That That's a whole, you know, he could be niche famous, mm -hmm. as the kids say. Um, let me see. Toilet paper. Did, did you at one point run out of toilet paper and or beat old people in order to obtain their toilet paper? And or did you steal toilet paper from work? I didn't uh, run out of toilet paper. I didn't steal toilet paper. I didn't beat old. Well, I beat up old people, but it had nothing to do with old, uh, with toilet paper. So uh, no, no, and no. I I did get in a few uh, scruffles with the elderly. Um, they are quite vivacious. Yeah, I, well, you know, they need to learn to move their freaking wheelchairs faster. That's all I'm saying. It's their fault for getting in your way. Hey, I got the right of way. You know, the road is for cars, not people in wheelchairs. God damn it. It's that own person's fault that he happened to have his wheelchair in front of your car. Rest in peace, random stranger. Um, okay, at one point, did you ever encounter uh, the mysterious murder hornets? No, I heard about them, and I thought it was the name of an XFL team. Rest in peace, XS XFL. Right, I know. That's like uh, As I, soon I as I start getting into football, <laughs> they're like, oh, by the way, guys, we're done. Bye. And I'm like, shit, I wanted to get myself some DC Defenders gear. Well, yeah, it was poor timing, you know, it's... I, I thought that their games were better than they were in the first incarnation back in like 2001. But uh, because of the whole coronavirus thing, everything got shut down and they folded. They're gone. So who knows? Maybe the, maybe the third time is the charm. Maybe the XFL will be back and we'll uh, have 
um, some more crappy football to watch. They will be the XXFL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when in doubt, give it a grittier reboot. Um, speaking of that, uh, what what else happened? What else happened? Oh, um, did you at one point riot and or set someone's car on fire because of the aching in your heart for something most people don't understand? I accidentally set my own car on fire and that then started count. rioting because I was so angry. That does um, count. That does count? Okay. That does yeah, count. It was an accident and it was my own car. It had nothing to do with you know George Floyd or anything like that. I don't get into those social causes. It was I was just upset because I'd accidentally set my car on fire. So the um, only so thing I, to do justifiably is set somebody else's car on fire. No, no, I didn't do that. I set their house on fire. That's a little excessive, but all right. I but can I, see it. They had a detached garage, so their car was fine. Yeah. So, so I mean, you could you could have gone for a twofer there, but I mean, we'll we'll let you get away with this one. Okay, um, yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's basically it. That catches up everyone to where we are right now that's everything that happened in the last six months oh Um, aliens uh we got we got proof uh ufos yeah the the navy released a bunch of videos saying that they they have they have actual video evidence of ufos um caught on cameras by uh several several aircraft carriers and a bunch of f-16 pilots that in the state of either Iowa or Ohio had a record number of UFO sightings this year. Mm. Mm-hmm. I bet you there's a whole lot of different records that have been set this year. What with everyone being completely isolated, um, increasingly paranoid and uh, emotionally volatile. I bet you there's world records being set for all kinds of things. I mean, I, so, I, I set some. I set some personal records for myself. If you're interested, oh, I would love to hear them. I said, this is the kind of a uh, you know entertainment that I think the listeners want to hear. What are some this of is the what records they need. that you? This is yeah. This is what they keep coming back for. Episode after episode. Why else? I, I bought a record number of guns for myself, and I'm preparing Ooh. to set up a child army in South America. And um, here's my here's my plan. It's a it's a five step plan that I will execute over the next couple of years. I'm going to get in the business of legalized organized crime, i.e., nonprofits. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to some uh, South American country somewhere that people can't pronounce nor know of and i'm just gonna set up basically like at school but we don't teach people we'll just you know feed them give them some alcohol and you know let the kids run wild and from there i'm gonna basically guilt people in america to donate to help these children and or people who are 30 but say they're teenagers and i'll funnel that money into local police stations local churches maybe another nonprofit, build a house for a person of cancer because at that point what i want to do is i want to start opening up summer camps and at these summer camps what will happen is we'll go ahead and just teach them, uh, you know, survival skills, weapons training, you know, the, the whole thing that you would typically do at like Boy Scouts. Because at that point, when let's say somebody is like, huh, this looks like very heart of darkness, very apocalypse now behavior, we should probably look into this. It's not like, you know, a Joseph Coney situation where you've gone ahead and just kidnapped a whole bunch of children, turned them into your child army. That mm-hmm. way, if someone goes snooping around like a John McAfee situation, all I have to do is go into a group text and say, hey guys, they're here. I need you to come and save me. And they will burn down entire like theme parks, villages, Walmarts, not because they feel obligated to, but because they genuinely see me as a friend. That's the type of things that people are thinking about now. So I thought, huh, you know, might as well okay. have a backup plan. Sure. That's a, a pretty good one. It's a little extensive, but it'll, it'll, you know, I'll iron out the details later. Right. Well, yeah, that stuff just comes with time. I mean, you can't plan every little uh, thread of the blanket from the start. You have to go with the flow, you know. Right. Um, you mentioned buying guns, though. So I have. I don't know if uh, the record number is one or if it's 100 or uh, somewhere in between. Or Anything more. more than zero is typically pretty good. Is pretty good, yes. I haven't bought a gun in, gosh, a few years. In fact, I sold a bunch of guns. Wisconsin um, was pretty was pretty you know uh, Second Amendment friendly. I know Arizona's a bit more so. Uh, Wisconsin wasn't until Scott Walker, 
Um, before that, we were the second to last state to legalize any form of concealed carry. Uh, we still had to get a license to do it, which wow. was like, eh, you know, okay. So I got the license up in Wisconsin. I came down here and I'm thinking, oh crap, now I'm going to have to change the address on my, on my carry license. And I'm going to have to retake a course or something, you know, pay an extra 50 bucks, 90 bucks, whatever it is. Turns out there's no rule, no, no rules on that. There's like, oh, just carry. I'm like, do I need a license? No, your license is a uh, second amendment to the constitution. It, it's just it's funny that with carry down here. It's just funny that with everything going on, you've had some states really go out of their way to assess what will keep people happy during this time. And and one of the funniest things I've seen, other than the fact that gun sales went up 400% across the United States in, uh, in, in the month of May alone, are the number of states that are now allowing restaurants and bars to actually deliver alcohol to people. I didn't even know why that was against the law, but apparently mm-hmm. other people forgot because I know in Texas, they allowed people actually start delivering margaritas directly to your door. Mm, wow. Well, I'm going to have to figure out some of those places because yeah, Arizona is shut down unless you want to wear a mask everywhere you go. Um, are, well, I, do I, you guys have I like the whole phase thing going on? Like, are, are you guys like in Virginia, we've had three phases. Phase one was everyone stays at home and don't go outside unless you're going to get like essential items. Phase two was you could start opening up like patio dining. And phase three is like 50% occupancy for all businesses. Um, I'm not sure if they actually have um, phases per se. It seems like uh, Governor Doug Ducey, um I'm sorry, Ducey. Doug Ducey, yes, uh, he's been uh, just kind of going back and forth on it. Like we shut everything down for like three or four weeks. Then we opened things back up for about two weeks and then we shut everything back down. And uh, now they're like, well, you know, you can still go to a, a, a grocery store, but you have to wear a face mask. I'm like, well, I'm not going to wear a face mask because I'm an adult um, and the face masks aren't effective. If they were effective, they would just have prisoners wear face masks instead of releasing them into the populace. So <laughs> clearly face masks are not really a, a solution for this. And I, 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 one thing I hate, and the older I get, the less I tolerate it, is being talked to like a child. Someone telling me, you know, if you're sick, you should stay home. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I learned that in kindergarten. Um, wash your hands after you use the bathroom. And before you eat food. Yeah, got it. Okay. Cover your mouth when you're coughing. I, I knew there was I a mean, problem with people when everyone started screaming at the president back in January when he suggested that we should not cough on other people and wash our hands. And you would have thought that, you know, somebody had just kicked a baby on live TV. I didn't think that that was a controversial statement, but apparently there were a lot of people coughing on other people and not washing their hands. Right. And uh, so, so now they, they have the face mask thing going on now. And um, this has just kind of forced me into a different way of life. I no longer do my grocery shopping. I pay someone else to go and pick up everything on my list from a grocery store. <laughs> they have to wear the mask. They drop it off at my house and uh, and I give them a few dollars. And, uh, you know, that's that's it. So it's like I'm even more isolated than I was before. Although it's a lot more convenient because I don't get stressed out standing in lines. And they have all the, all the, every other lane at the grocery store is closed to, you know, maintain social distancing. So they have like one, three, five, seven. And it's like, okay, they never had that many lanes open to begin with. I mean, the robots took over. The The robots took over. Registers and everything. Right. So there's more of the robot self-checkout lanes that are being used. But there's no spacers between those ones. No. So there's no like sense or logic behind any of the policies that are going on right now. And they talk about um, this is the new normal. And that's one thing that I kind of fear is that the coronavirus, this is most colds that people get in their lifetimes are a version of a coronavirus. This is just happens to be the one that came out in 2019, hence coronavirus 19. What are we going to do in 2020? I'm hoping it's like... Or 2021 or 2022. Are we going to shut down the whole economy and the whole world every freaking time a new cold comes out? I mean, I'm hoping it'll be like the Nintendo Wii equivalent to game systems. Within five years, we'll forget it ever happened. And when we find it, we'll ask ourselves, when did this occur? 
Um, it's, it, it's bothering me that this has already gone on so long. It's, it's already been six months. And I mean, for me, it was a little bit more annoying because I started, uh, self-quarantining at the, in the final week of February, because I thought that I, I had caught like strep or something. So I, I, I was starting like a week before everyone else started doing it. But um, I mean, I'm less worried about the virus and everything. And I'm, I'm more worried about the behaviors of people. I went to a physical therapy appointment for my neck the other day. And as I, as I parked, I went ahead and put my mask on. In Virginia, you have to wear a mask when you go outside, when you're around, um, a, you know, a, a dense group of people. And I, I went inside and there's this woman standing in front of me and we have to take an elevator to go up three floors. So we're reading this, this poster that's above the buttons to, you know, turn on the, the elevator and she's reading it. She looks at me and she says, ah, they say everything about social distancing and washing your hands, but the sign didn't say anything about masks as if to solicit a, oh my God, these savages response from me. And I, I'm just like this Karen is already on my nerves within two seconds. I'm like, this whole thing's theater anyway. I just don't want to get a hundred dollar civil citation. And she looks at me as if I was just, you know, pull, you know, pulling down my pants and urinating on the floor. And she looks at me as if, you know, that's happening. And she says, well, I'm trying to save lives. <laughs> and I just didn't say anything. I didn't look at her. I just didn't say anything. Not because right. I didn't want to say something, but because it's like, you know, the, the sheep won't understand. It just yeah. follows. Yeah, you know, and the, yeah, the, that's what it is. I think it's, you know, the coronavirus is a real virus. Who knows where it really came from? I mean, China, China says that we China. gave it to them. China. China. Right. So maybe it came, oh, let's, let's, we'll, we can go with that. That's fine. But I think it's been blown out of proportion on purpose in order to be almost a, a sort of social experiment to see how far will people go? Um, how scared can we make them? It's turned into what, what liberties can, will they just give up if we scare them enough? Ha, have and you they, seen people? Have you seen people wearing a mask while driving their car? Yes, while driving their car alone. These are the that, same people that, that wear condoms to my bed. <laughs> that wear condoms to bed when they sleep alone. These are the same people. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> it, it's it's turned into a bit of just a, in case. Yeah, you I never mean, know. Someone it, might sneak into my bedroom and try to fuck me. I mean, um, you know, stranger <laughs> things are are happening, but I mean, it, it really has turned into a bit of a civil religion. And I've stopped. The one thing I will not do is I will not do panel shows with people I don't know. And usually I, I like the excitement of getting an opportunity to do that. But if I don't know the person, if I find out that the stranger happens to be a left-leaning individual, um, I, I haven't been going on. And it's not because I'm against free speech or I don't want to talk to people who are differently, but I, I've only been called a mask killer twice because I don't like masks. And, um, you know, I, I tried saying on one program a few months ago, this is the last time I'm ever going on their show. It, I, I basically told them, you know, the only person I can take care of is really myself. And that during this time of isolation, I know nothing I do is going to save Western civilization from this invisible enemy. So I might as well focus on my own habits, my own routine, take this as an opportunity to do something positive. And the, the communist on the other end, on the other end of the line was just, you know, foaming at the mouth, viciously beating off. You know, it's just, Whoa. Well, I, I just, you know, you, you disturbing. can't, you, you can't. Uh, he he, he on a panel like, show, huh? Yeah. What what's the guy who did the the Waco cult? Oh, I forgot his name, but I, I know David Koresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like David Koresh, and he's okay. just like he he loves he loves the, the constantly being a victim. So I just like I I said I had bad connection and I hung up, and um it, it was just one of those things where it's like you know you can't you can't help people that don't want to be helped, especially if they can't identify the problem. What are what, what are some of the habits that you've taken during this time? Like you you've, you you like you've stayed employed, right? You weren't laid off or anything because of this. No. No, but I don't. I don't have a typical nine to five. I mean, I just kind of do things for money, and then it appears in a brown envelope at my door. Oh, drugs! So I don't. I don't want to call. I don't want to name it that. But you know. <laughs> but no, I, I haven't lost any work or lost any wages because of it. My personal habits have not changed at all. Um, you know, uh, like I, 
I go and do my things during the day and then I come home at night. That's kind of the way it's been for a long time. Um, home invasions are like that. <laughs> <right>. Well, <laughs> I didn't say that either. Uh, but you're getting closer. Um, no, none of my habits have changed at all. I mean, with, with the exception of like, I have groceries delivered now and so, as opposed to actually buying them myself. And, uh, um, I remember the first time I went into a, a gas station and they turned me and they said, you have to have a mask on. And I said, well, I'm a just, gas I'm station? Just, were you, were you station. going inside or were you pumping gas? Guy was going inside. Oh. And I was like, well, I'm just going to, I just got to get like a bottle of Powerade or Gatorade or something. And I'll be, I'll be out. And they're like, no, you need a mask. I'm like, Okay, fine. You're not getting my money. So I went to uh, Amazon and I ordered a ton of Gatorade and Powerade. And they're like, you know, if you guys are going to go along with these silly mandates, which are just that, they're mandates. They're not laws. All of this stuff is completely illegal. The governor's just mandating. No, the state legislatures have to actually pass these things and they haven't passed them. It's just the governor's saying, well, it's a state of emergency and here are the new rules. Like, yeah, it's not. You're not a dictator. You're not a king. You don't get to to tell millions of people that they have to wear a face mask in order to go into a, a restaurant or a bar or a, or a store. You don't get to do that. Like, but people are just going along with it. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? If you're a brick and mortar store and you're going along with this, you know, and they say, well, if we don't go along with it, we're going to get fined. It's like, well, then don't pay the fines. You know, just don't pay yeah. them. And, you know, that's sometimes all it's all it really takes. And it it reminds me of an old scene from The Simpsons. This is one of my I talk about it on occasion, but it's one of my favorite scenes where uh, Homer's in a car with Lisa and um, they had just broken out of jail or something. And um, he's about as to start, families do as he, as families do. And he's about to put the key in the ignition. And Lisa says, dad, stop. You can't drive. He has your license. And he says, well, I'm going to try it anyway. And he magically, the car starts, even though he didn't have his license. <laughs> it's like, it worked. It's a miracle. It's like, that's the way this, you know, it's just like, you know, they, now they tell you to wear a mask. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Or, uh, you have to practice social distancing. Like I, Actually, kind of, I don't want to be that close to people anyways, so this is a, a benefit. Um, you know, there's the traffic is much better in Phoenix. Um, yeah. it's, sometimes it's like it's like a holiday, how clear the roads are downtown, and it's fantastic. So there's been no real drawbacks for me personally. I do recognize that people have gotten sick. They are losing work. They are losing their jobs. Um, people are dying from it, and that's bad, of course. But we also have to look at the grand scheme of things. And in the grand scheme, in the world, about every day, 150,000 people die. Every single day, 150,000 people die. Um, also, in every, every single day, about 360,000 people are born. So even after the end of this horrible pandemic, we're going to have more people than we had before the pandemic. So where is like where is this emer- we're not going extinct, okay? Like old people are dying off. They were going to die anyways. And people say, "Oh, well, you're callous towards old people." It's like I'm not the person who pushed them into an old folks home to rot away for the last years of their life. You did that. You're the children who shoved your parents into these old folks' homes that have turned into, you know, complete disasters under the direction of guys like Andrew Cuomo. You know, this is, that's not me being mean to old people, okay? They were going to die anyways. You didn't want to look at them. You didn't want to take care of them. Now they're sick and dying and you want to point the finger everywhere else when maybe if you had them living with you, Instead of in an overcrowded old folks home, they wouldn't have gotten sick in the first place. But you don't want to do that because that's inconvenient. So, you know, with all the people who are pointing fingers and claiming that they're a victim or that Trump didn't do enough, you know, it's just like, you know, you only get one finger to point at me and I'm going to point one back at you. And I think we know which one is which. Yeah, this has turned into one of those times where... um 
you know, prior with, with my old show, it was always about how to use the political process and our democratic systems to basically try and leverage change within your community, state, and nation. And more recently, especially with the, with this current program, my, my whole system of thinking has somewhat changed in more of a way of how can you obtain more freedom and independence in your own life? Because it's hard to really take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself. And the one thing that never ceases to fail me is when I see people talking about how, oh, we, you know, on the left, they're like, oh, we need someone of character and with judgment in the White House. And everyone's like, oh, we, we need a president to do this and all this other stuff. And then I have to remember, like, if you were you know, let's, let's take, let's take income inequality. For example, if you were poor during the Trump years, you're probably going to be poor during the Biden years. God forbid. If you were, you know, in debt during the Bush administration, I doubt you were out of it during the Obama years. If you were unhealthy, if you had bad habits, whatever, nothing anyone in the white house does is going to change that for you, which is why I was hoping we would see, a large number of people try and make, you know, their own selves better. And to a large extent, I have seen a lot of stories and cases where people are trying to improve their own lives, looking forward to a post-corona world, because there will always be something. I, uh, I did the one thing no one around me wanted me to do recently. I went on a road trip around Virginia amidst the pandemic and the riots. And uh, I had a fun time going on my trip doing things not being around lots of people is mainly outdoor stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way I see it, there's always going to be something I can't control. All I can do is control what's directly around me. And, um, I, I, I think what we're going to see are really two, two massive changes in terms of the mindset of people after this one, we're going to, I think the next big schism between Americans will be those who can work from home and those who can't. My job is essentially, no one has said it explicitly, but all the signs are there. I'm never, pro- I'm probably never going to have to go back into an office again. Um, I'm very lucky if that. It was always my intention to have a job that could do that. Now, because of circumstances, it's it's something that you know is is pretty much here. And secondly, we're going to have people that are going to be able to move around when it's convenient for them, not move around if they're ever given permission to. And that is, do people have the capital to do that? Do people have the ability to do that? And do people have the freedom to do that? So I think the ability to work from anywhere because of your skills and the ability to travel where you freely choose is going to be the biggest difference between Americans going forward. Do you have that ability and do you have the the freedom to do so and i think that's going to be you know good good bad or indifferent you know robots or not whatever of global events that's going to be the biggest difference that people are going to be discussing and debating and arguing after this whole shit show yeah yeah there i mean the labor i mean labor is always always shifting. I mean, it used to be us working in fields and then we were working in factories and now more and more we're working uh, from home and especially during the pandemic. You don't even have to wear pants. You don't even have to wear pants anymore. Right. Um, Sometimes you'll have like a zoom call meeting and you got to put on at least a shirt, but at least, you know, but uh, some days you probably don't even have to get out of your bed if you can do all your work from a laptop. And that's cool. You know, I, I think it would drive me nuts if I never left my house because, um, you know, having a different, uh, seeing different people. And I mean, even though people complain about traffic, having that daily commute to and from work is a good thing for a lot of people because they get to think about stuff. They don't have anyone else yelling in their ears during that period. They get to just kind of relax, uh, look at the road, look at the bumper of the guy in front of them. Sure, sometimes it gets frustrating, but for a lot of people, they need that because they go straight from work back to home where they have a wife and kids or a husband and kids. And it's just like, you need that little gap of time. And some people find that at a gym, some people find it at a coffee shop. But as those places are kind of disappearing, especially because of this pandemic, um, I wonder what it's going to do to people's mental health in the long term. And in the the immediate term, because we're already seeing things like the suicide rates um, are jumping and the domestic abuse rates are jumping and things like that, which they never really seem to take into account when they talk about the 
what's happening with the coronavirus is like, well, the virus is bad, but also uh, people jumping out of buildings is bad too. And when you tell them that they can't leave their apartment, or if they do, they're only limited to do a handful of things, then they go nuts and they do jump out of buildings. Literally, that's happening. So we kind of have to and that's the, the thing that bothers me. And it's probably one of the reasons why I want to start doing podcasting again is to um, talk about these uh, stories with a little bit of nuance that when you get the news on, you know, the cable news or wherever you get it, a lot of, there is no nuance. It's just, this is really bad. If you don't think it's bad, then you're clearly um, a bad person, but this is really bad. Like, well, it is, but let's also think about other aspects of it. What are some things that are going on that people aren't talking about? And um, so I think mental health is going to be a, a bigger thing going forward um, as far as the, uh, the problems associated with the coronavirus and um, specifically the way we've tried to combat the coronavirus. And um, I mean, even things like uh, like sunlight is actually good for you. Sunlight, you get vitamin D from sunlight. Vitamin D helps your immune system so you can fight off viruses faster. Ultraviolet light also kills the coronavirus. So getting outside, getting fresh air, getting exercise, um, eating a healthy diet. It, it, it confused the hell things out of are good for you. Yeah, and I mean, we're now telling people that they should stay in their houses and be agoraphobes. Like, yeah. No, this is the worst advice you could really give to people from a mental health um, aspect. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things that just surprised me was when all these coastal states started closing off their beaches. Now, I understand it's hard to, you know social distance if you're in Cancun for beach week, but like, you know, for people that live there who aren't traveling, I mean, if you live near a beach going out and, you know, getting some fresh air and jumping in the water and being in the sun, that's the best thing that could happen. And I mean, one of the problems that I faced very early on was that I told myself that this was going to be the most productive part of my life ever. Like, I'm like, I'm going to do a bunch of podcasts, I'm going to film, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to take a bunch of online classes. And let me tell you, other than this, I have, I have done nothing. I took one <laughs> online class, but I have basically, like, I am, I am disappointing myself with how little I did. But that's also, in a way, the one thing that I learned, which I always felt guilty of, but I had to really understand why it was important. It's the gift of rest your ability to allow yourself not to be productive because, you know, often when you go online, it's people joking and almost like, you know, celebrating laziness and laziness and slothness. And there's this counter movement to it where it's like, you need to be hyper productive and always be hustling. Mm -hmm. And I did that, you know, for the first couple months, but what I found was that even though I'm not traveling and my, you know, daily work uh, life has changed, you know, filling it with constant work and constantly needing to feel like I'm, I'm burning myself out. That's, that's not healthy. Right. So I find myself doing a lot less side hustles and a lot less stuff, not because I, you know, I I've just lost interest in it, but because I understood that, you know, all things in moderation to a large degree. And that one of the things I could probably do now that I might not be able to do again, um, you know, d depending on the circumstances is give myself the ability, you know, get more sleep, mm -hmm. maybe actually sit down and like watch a movie because I want to usually what I'll do is I'll say, oh, I'm going to watch a movie, but I'll have my laptop. And I'll be working on something because I feel guilty for watching a movie. And right. it's like, you know, I, that's why I miss movie theaters. Movie theaters used to be like my, my real escape from everything. It's like, while well, I'm here for this hour and a half to maybe three hour long film. I'm not looking at my cell phone. No one's going to come in and barge in on me. I don't have to go anywhere. Like this is my me time. And I, I miss that. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people haven't been discussing. It's this nice balance between being productive and also allowing yourself to, to rest. And I mean, it's probably the best thing I've done for myself because it's always, oh, you're either going to be extremely happy because you're getting all this stuff done because I'm a results-oriented person, or I'm going to feel like shit and be massively depressed because I'm not getting anything done. I can mm -hmm. say that, you know, I did all the things I need to do. I did a little extra stuff that I wanted to do, but I can allow myself to relax a little bit because I have that luxury. I mean, I, I'm still working. 
my, I've got, you know, I've got the necessities, I've got food, I've got shelter, stuff like that. Like I, I can, I can appreciate this mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, like you said, there's a, a, a balance in life where you don't want to be a lazy slob, but you don't want to be, um, you know, on the clock 24 seven. So you do have to, to balance things. And, um, you know, that's just kind of part of life. And I feel like people are a lot of times, um, one or the other. Like I know a lot of people who are super, super hardworking where even when you'd think that they'd be partying or enjoying time with friends, what they're really doing is networking. That's really what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, or I know other people who, you know, they're close to 30 years old and they haven't held a stable job for longer than a few months. And it's like, gooey boy, how are you ever going to survive when your parents die? Um, you know, so it's like one or the other. And like you were saying, I think the best is kind of a balance where you, you get your shit done, but you also get some time in to relax and actually enjoy life. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is one of those things where it's like, I, I, there, there were some goals that I had and that I am still maintaining. And one of the biggest ones was, you know, my, my financial goals. Um, one thing I was able to do now that I probably wouldn't have been able to do if this whole situation didn't happen by the end of the year, I will have saved and invested 70% of my total earned income. Wow, that's awesome. It is. Yeah, that's huge. It, it is wild and crazy to think that I, of all people, would be able to achieve that. But so far since March, I've been hitting all my savings and investing goals. And this is, I, I see this almost as like a free money experience because I'm not commuting. So, gas, I, don't, I mean, I only fill up my car maybe twice a month now. And mm-hmm. gas in, in, you know, outside DC in Northern Virginia is like under two bucks. Um, I don't have to go to constant mixers and anything or networking events. A lot of my job had to do with, uh, you know, travel within the city. I'm not doing that. Don't have to pay for dry cleaning. Don't have to pay for, you know, meals every, every meal. Cause I'm constantly traveling, like things like that. Like I didn't realize how much money I was spending. And that was always just money that was part of my like discretionary spending. So now it's like, if, you know, now for other things, like, you know, no movie theaters. So that's like 20 bucks, you know, when you buy the ticket and snacks or whatever, and, you know, gas, right. you know, a buck there. It's like that, all those things were adding up. And it was like, you know, I can actually achieve this. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one goal that I'll, I'll be able to maintain through, through the end of the year. And I, I know that this is going to end one day. And I think for some people, they think that it's like the end of the world and this is how it's going to be forever. But I know one day I'm not going to get this luxury. So I might as <laughs> well take full advantage of it right now. Cause 60, 60% of my total earned income before taxes, I'm sorry, af- after taxes, but before, you know, tax season, like that is, that, that's like strange YouTube mogul shit. And I'm making a modest, you know, a, a modest middle middle class income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's I mean seventy percent of your earned income being saved or invested. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. Um, I was the person I mean, that used wow. to have to sell books and blood <laughs> for gas money. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I believe that you work for every damn penny of it, uh, no doubt. But like, wow, that's I haven't heard of anyone doing that. And, um, so it's, it's good that you've taken advantage of this in a positive way, instead of just saying, Oh, woe is me. Um, you're saying, well, actually there's some pros to this. Maybe I could take advantage of this and, uh, build myself a nice portfolio, uh, while everything's shut down. I I I mean, mean, you might as well. Yeah. What else are you going to do? The the one thing that I really learned when I was like, what are things I want to do during this time? Like, yeah, the the goal was there, but I had to ask the why. And it's like when I I forget the author who brings it up, but he talks about like the three pillars of freedom, financial freedom, uh, health, you know, uh, you know, being, being good with your health, but also sense of purpose. Like if you don't have those three things, nothing else is going to matter. And the one thing I realized was that I'm, I'm re- I was really like, a, I was a financially insecure person because I had a very scarcity mindset going mm. for me. And mm-hmm. I was always like, it's like each time I got money, it was always eaten up by something else. I'm always chasing like the next thing, even though I have a full-time job, I've got my hands in like seven different things. But the one thing that I realized about myself as a 25 year old working adult is that I, I'm, I was, and I feel like I'm better now, but like me six months ago, right before this, I was extremely financially illiterate. Sure. 
like I knew very little to nothing about investing and, you know, just being good with my finances. So that way I could be controlling my money and my expenses and everything mm-hmm. instead of having it constantly pulling me around. Because I think for the first time in my life, I feel in an extreme sense of calm because I know yeah. what's going on. And yeah. it is weird to feel that. Right. No, and that, but that's, it is weird when you first do it. I've kind of been in that mindset for a few years. Um, where uh, I'm very, very in tune with what money is coming in and what money is going out. And sometimes people don't even want to look at their bank statements because they're like worried about how little money they have. But it's like, what is going to get rid of that, that feeling of uneasiness is actually educating yourself about your finances. And, um, you know, once you know how much is coming in, and you know where it's going, then you can kind of pick and choose and be like, wait, I'm spending how much on Netflix? I watched Netflix like twice in the last three months and I'm spending 15 bucks a month on it. I guess I can get, oh, okay, well, I have 45 extra dollars. I can buy two shares of XYZ stock. Exactly. I'm not not advocating buying XYZ stock, but uh, I actually don't know if that is a stock. It might be a symbol. I'm not sure. But Everything um, is legal and existing somewhere. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So once you get your head just kind of uh, wrapped around it and tuned into what's going on with your personal finances, it does just kind of calm you down. Um, even if you realize that you have to live a slightly different lifestyle in order to, you know, reach some of your goals, at least you and, know and I mean, what direction you're going. And yeah, and you know I mean, how it's part of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of this whole thing, too, because I don't know if I would have ever been able to do this had this whole situation not come. Because, you know, like I, I have gone out to eat with my friends since restaurants have opened up twice this this uh, the past month. So since yeah. like mi- mid-June, I didn't realize that I was probably going out to eat like three, four times a week and then maybe twice during a day whether it was for work or for my, my own personal life. Yeah. Uh, You know, with things like that. Yeah. Like things like that (laughs) with with things like that, it's like, I, it really, I don't think I would have ever noticed it had it not been taken away from me. Sure. And that's sometimes what it takes, you know? Um, Like in a strange way, I'm almost grateful. Like I'm not happy this whole thing happened, but I'm grateful. At least I'm able to get something positive out of it. Exactly. But I mean, notice the difference in your kind of mindset versus, uh, let's just say Antifa or Black Lives Matter. Whereas you're trying to educate yourself on your own situation and just make sure everything's set in your life. Uh, How many people and members of Antifa you think have ever written out a personal budget or read a book on finances? But but Um, budgets are for the or for the capitalist warmongers. Right, right. But, you know, if you're going to bitch and moan about not being a millionaire, maybe you should take up some of the habits of millionaires. And perhaps, I mean, you know, the average millionaire reads, you know, way more than the average American does. Uh, You don't think that has some kind of effect on them that they read, like the average American watches a shitload of of TV and the average millionaire doesn't watch hardly any. Hmm. The average millionaire reads a ton of books and newspapers and magazines. The average American doesn't read hardly any. Uh, you think that some of these habits might have some sort of impact on their bank accounts? Yeah, of course they do. But people don't want to take that into account. They want to just point the fingers. And, you know, one thing that I've been kind of trying to figure out, like, why do some issues bother me and other issues not bother me? And the issue that like if personal or societal? Me, societal, right? Okay. It's uh, the issue of justice. Is something just or not? And, you know, when people are breaking into um, an auto zone and stealing everything on the, on the shelves, I don't see that as justice. I see that as injustice, which is why it upsets me. Killing of George Floyd was also injustice, which is why it upsets me. But the solution to injustice is not more injustice. And when people avoid taking personal responsibility for their own situation in life, that is them just saying, ah, well, don't blame me. Don't blame me. It's like, well, I have to blame you because that would be justice. If your life sucks, it's because you, by and large, I know some people have just horrible circumstances 
and we can't control everything in our lives. But a lot of the time, people's lives suck because of the decisions that they make in their lives. No one's holding a gun to your head telling you to get pregnant when you don't have a husband, when you don't have an education, when you don't have a career. No one's doing that. You're doing that. And, and the list goes on and on and on. No one's telling you to play Fortnite for you know 14 hours a day and then work at McDonald's and demand that the government raise the minimum wage. Your life sucks because you suck and justice will only be served once those people take responsibility for their lives sucking. And um, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate solution to it. Some people don't like that because well, it ignores systemic problems. You're not going to fix all of the systems in the world. Ultimately, you have to take control over your life. And I mean, it requires a little bit different mindset, or let's be honest, a wildly different mindset. But that's the way everyone who is successful has gotten that way. Yeah, and I mean, the the one thing that I, I read in a few studies was that people will admit to not taking personal responsibility because... Not, not because they don't feel they're capable of doing so, but because they're uncomfortable with confronting their faults. And, and in a way, like when I saw that, like I kind of laughed at the study and it's like, wow, all these other people are willing to admit it. Everyone that said that that's not the problem, or they're lying. Because folks, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this if I'm the first one to tell you this, but everyone feels that way. Everyone feels that way. At some and, point or yeah. another, of course. Yeah, and I mean to to overcome that and to confront it is the first step towards actually making a difference. Right, right, and you, yeah, you have to kind of and I, and I don't know people. I don't know if it's because of social media or lack of uh, real relationships um, or bad parenting or bad. I'm not sure what the cause is, but um, people have this kind of they have their life, which might suck, but then they have their Instagram life, which is amazing. They're always on vacation. It seems on Instagram, they're always smiling. They're always having fun on Instagram, (laughs) but their real life is miserable. So there's this huge disconnect between reality and what people either put out there or are getting from out there. Like if you go on Instagram and let's say that your life sucks, uh, you go on Instagram and you see that everybody on there has a better life than you. Well, that's going to make you feel pretty shitty. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like this this weird cycle. Well, I, I got to put something on there that makes them think that I have a good life, too. So then you post your own fake photo of yourself on vacation, smiling with no friends and no family and no interesting hobbies and no path in life. And it's a depressing kind of like, is this is this a society that we live in now? And I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that it uh, it is. And that, uh, you know, the American uh, dream is somewhat dead or at least dying. Sorry. that's. I, I ultimately, <laughs> now, like, I agree with a ton of what you said. I think the one thing that I, I started learning about recently, a, a friend of mine brought this up to me. He, he started talking about the Zoomers, the, the, the generation that comes after millennials. Okay. And I, I think, you know, to, to kind of add some context, I think the problem with our, you know, our millennial generation is that we were told that we deserve great lives simply be, simply for existing because right. because we are because we are who we are. We deserve great lives and personal responsibilities for other people. But when you look at you know the the Zoomers, the people who are you know now probably in their in their late teens. And younger, um, you know, they they had some strange trends that I did not see coming, especially when you look at who raised them. You know, you look at the people that raised us, their post, uh, you know, sexual revolution, Mm -hmm. they've been raised by the boomers that had a great economy after the world almost destroyed itself and stuff like that. It was almost like entitlement only breeded more entitlement. Then when you look at this generation that's our offsprings of the millennials, you know, they, they have some strange habits. I'll have to go find the, the thing I saw. It was an extensive report, I think, done through Pew or somebody, but it basically showed them like on, on certain issues. Zoomers are way more pro-life than any of the last three generations. So I'm talking our grandparents. Zoomers are more pro-life than the last three generations. Now, they're also, they also tend to skew less religious Yet, when you look at the at the Zoomers that will identify as being religious, 
the, that religious bunch compared to millennials and our parents' generation identify as religious, Zoomers are more likely to go to church than anyone else. They're more likely to actually attend church and be involved in their community. And I mean, it it goes on and on, but I mean, I, I kind of see it when I go to DC, like before this, when you went to the to the National Mall, you will see kids like in middle school or high school, you'll never see this on TV, wearing MAGA hats. MAGA hats are incredibly popular in DC as a as a as something tourist buy. You could buy them anywhere, the, the bootleg ones from Columbia, China, whatever. But I think it's funny that, you know, I always see this and people notice it. They notice a lot of young kids, a lot of, you know, multi-ethnic, multi-racial kids wearing MAGA hats. Now, am I making a statement about them being more conservative or more Republican? No, but it's just something that I've noticed. And I think it ultimately comes for some generation to screw up so badly that without the kids being explicitly taught, what is right, they're able to see around them and know in some part of them that things could be better. I hope you're right. I don't think you are, but I hope you're right. I don't think I am either, but it's an interesting thing to look into more. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, you know, I, um, uh, I also just look at education standards and, and things like that. So it's like, okay, we, we basically are the dumbest generation yet. Um, oh, well, how many people after this do you think are going to be homeschooling or looking for things outside of public? But I don't know that that's necessarily going to be better. I don't mean, I don't want freaking Cletus, you know, teaching his own kids. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't, sorry. You know, not that there's that much worse than public schools, but um, you know, at least the kid will uh, get fed at the public schools. Um not well, I, you know, it's the whole, th- it's just a freaking clusterfuck. Um, so I just, uh, you know, I, I guess that's one of the reasons why I stopped podcasting. Now I'm, now I'm questioning getting back into it, having to read all these uh, miserable news stories and make, make and it your own journey though. Make it your own journey. Own journey. Don't oh. make it about the news that other people it are following. Make the news. Ooh, well, I need to uh, trademark. Uh, Tremsa Martinez, 2020. Yeah, I think I'd have to have a significant <laughs> bump in listenership in order to make the news. I'm not El Rushbo quite yet. But, uh, I mean, you know, things like this, I think th- this was my th- th- this was my biggest challenge getting back into the show. And at this point, you know, we're into the, the 30s in terms of episodes. Like, I-, I thought that if I stopped talking about things that are going on directly in the headlights, people wouldn't want to hear it. And what I have learned, especially through, you know, talking to a lot of my listeners now and folks, please, I, I, I say, follow me on all the social media and all that shit. But really the only place where I really want to engage with people is ironically on Instagram, because if you look at my Instagram stories, I'm constantly asking you to submit questions, comments, criticism, concerns. We're doing polls. Did you uh, get you, any questions for me? Well, they asked where you were. So I had oh. to make up stories and tell them that, you know, you were Chinese triads and shit. So that was it. It was just a bunch of that. It was the Yakuza in Japan, not the, not, not the triads. All right. All right. But I mean, things like that, like what I have learned is that there's a deficit in people asking, I'm sorry, there's a deficit in, and you know, you look on YouTube and it's like, how to be rich, how to be famous, how to do all this other stuff. There, right. There's a lot of people searching for really common questions. How do, you know, common answers, it's very common challenges and questions we have. How do I obtain more freedom in my life? How do I obtain more sense of purpose? And the thing I love to tell people is that I don't know that, but we can explore it together. And I think that's what's made this experience not just a better show, but for people listening, I think it's also made them more engaged with it because it is actually doing better than I thought people are actually wanting to, you know, really pitch into the show in ways I never saw before. And I think that's why the, my, my old show right before this, the Remsa Martinez experience, that was, you know, the continuation of the Remsa Republic. That's why that changed. That's why that show ended because it stopped being about politics. It stopped being about current events. It was weird when I would do solo monologues about me selling makeup to strippers outside of DC and Baltimore that I didn't have to promote that, but that got crazy downloads that I never anticipated. 
and I think right now when we're so isolated, we're yearning, you know, c- communication and that, that sense of being almost because what I keep telling people and I keep telling myself this is there's going to be a world after this, folks. They're going to have to leave the house. There will be cruises again. There will be movies again. There will be <laughs> giant potlucks of people who will not wash their hands again. That's going to be the greatest opportunity to see the differences you've made in your life. Mm. I think when you reconnect with all these people, they want to see if you've changed at all. Yeah. Or at least how much weight we've all gained. Yeah. I've lost weight. (laughs) I've lost weight, man. It's been like, I I, I can't say I've done great, but at least I've kept it off. I will say that. (laughs) There you go. No, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I guess I tend to agree, but I also, um, um, you know, people talk about what is their purpose in life. And, um, I think for, for a lot of people, it's like, there, you don't have one. Come on. Like, what's my, per- there, you don't have one. Just get to work. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like my life has meaning. It doesn't have meaning. Some people don't have meaningful lives, but I, I just want to be known. You're not going to be known because you don't have any talent, but how do I, I get talent? You can't, you weren't born with it. You're done. I tell like, people all the, the time, one, one, one of the best things I ever did in my life was get a, a minimum wage job at. At, uh, at GameStop after I wrote my book, after all my political scheming and everything else, I, I, I was broke and I needed money. So I got a minimum wage job working part-time at GameStop. And that was one of like the most soul regenerating experiences of my life because I didn't have to think I just had to be told what to do. And then I right. asked myself what's next. It was and so s- weird. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with people who live that kind of life. You know, if you just yeah. want to, be another spoke on the wheel, then go right ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. And not everyone's going to be beautiful. Not everyone's going to be rich. Not everyone's going to be famous. It's that's, hard to be me. The, it's hard. To, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. My dog was whining to get He understands. He totally understands what we're saying. Well, it's actually not even mine. I'm dog sitting it because some people are out of town. Wow. And it was whining to get into the studio. Now it's whining to get out of the studio. And I'm My pretty sure I'm just gone. going to kick it out of the house and let it melt. It's 116 down here right now. But zero humidity, so it feels like 90, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people tell that is such such a crock right there. Oh, well, it's a dry heat in Arizona. It's like, yeah, well, ovens, that's a dry heat too. Fire is a dry heat. You know, it doesn't make it any less hot. Uh, you can still boil an egg on the cement outside. So, uh, man, it's brutal out here. So I'm just going to kick this dog out of my house and let her, uh, you know, cook for she'll, dinner. Later. She'll live. She'll live. So, Tim, I, you know, we're running up on time. We we covered a lot of stuff. What what do people have to look forward to with the Tim Price podcast coming back? You know, what what are they gonna hear? How can they connect with you and all that awesome stuff? Well, they're going to hear me rant and rave um, uh, for at least two hours a week. I mean, uh, when I'm coming back this time, I'm going to be doing it regularly. It's every Monday. Uh, I'll be recording on Sundays, so I'll get all of the week's news kind of lined out. And um, I think I'm going to be doing a little bit extra research into some of these issues. Like, um, just like inconvenient statistics. Here, I'll throw one at you right, just right off Do the it. bat. I was going to save it for the first episode, but I decided not to. Did you know that um, people don't want to mention this? But shut up, you dirty whore. Um, if you're a... <laughs> Please continue. That's staying in. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, white people are about tw- are over tw- two times more likely to be killed by black people than black people are to be killed by white people. So when we talk about black people being killed innocently by either police or just the white man in general, um, they never mention that if you're white, you're twice as likely to be killed by a black person than a black person is to be killed by a white person. I read it. It's, I found it. I, I, mean, like, I had to, I had to look like it a, up. That's like a proportion thing, though, right? It's like when you look at the number of white people that go to prison, you look at the number of black people that go to prison. Yeah, there are more white people in prison. But then when you look at the proportion to the overall population of that group, it's 
it's higher on the other end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, whoa. I mean, you know, most black people are killed by other black people. Most white people are killed by other white people. That's always been true. It always will be true. But as for like, who's more dangerous to the other one, black people are way more dangerous to white people than we are to them. Just saying, those are the FBI crime stats. Uh, you can look it up. I'll post it up. But things like that that I want to kind of get into and say, why is the media not mentioning these things? And if we took these kinds of facts into account, would we come up with a very different narrative about what's happening in society right now? Um, so there'll be a current events, but it's not just going to be me reading the, a news story and then saying, okay, on to the next one. Uh, we're going to go in-depth on stuff. But um, um I'm just excited for it. I feel uh, uh, physically better than I have in, uh, gosh, years. Um, so uh, my energy level's there. My wit is there. Dude, I'm, the drinking dragon sig- energy. I'm drinking significantly less. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, mentally I'm there. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's about time to kind of relaunch this thing and do it right. Um, people can find me on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. Easiest way to do it is just go to Google and type in Tim, P-R-E-U-S-S. Preuss is the last name. But uh, do that and all the other stuff will come right up. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'll be posting everything everywhere that I can. So just follow and, uh, and you'll see it as it's coming. Whether you want it or not, folks, the Tim Price is coming. I'm sorry, the Tim Price podcast is coming back to you. Tim, my friend, it's always great to hear that you're coming back. Sometimes we all just need a break from things to kind of, you know, restart our thinking and then push forward. Always great to have you on the program. Thanks for having me again, Rimzo. Folks, well, you know, uncomfortable conversations, journeys into mystery, exploring where we are in our sense of purpose, whether big or small, what is yours works for you. And ultimately, that is the whole goal. So please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how Al Gore's amazing internet works. And uh, I'll see you in a couple days when we come back again. As always, I'm Rumpster W. Martinez. You're listening to On the Run. On the Run. Good night, America. Check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.